I'm recording. Okay, I'm recording. Man, you hear this bullshit they be talking? Every day, man, it's like these motherfuckers is just like professional liars, you know what I'm saying? Wow. Listen. Been locked that blow up projects. It was your nigga. Tell the jokes, nigga. And now, welcome to the Rocky Mountain Comic Podcast with your host, Chuck Brown, with guest Randy Malone. Follow us on Twitter, at ModeSi, at Randy Malone, and at GonzoGreen29. Without further ado, the Rocky Mountain Comic Podcast. Well, thank you guys for uh, tuning in, first and foremost. Secondly, uh, I would just like to thank Randy Malone for being my first guest on the uh, podcast. We appreciate it, man. Well, thank you very much. Um, I guess you brought me on because uh, we're going to talk about uh, what... Uh, AIDS. Uh, AIDS? Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's why I brought you on. Oh, okay. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I didn't know I had AIDS. <laughs> well, no, it's not the AIDS that I'm worried about. It's actually uh, it's actually our current financial situation that I'm uh-huh. worried about. Um, as a lot of you know who follow me on Twitter, they uh, they passed the audit the Fed bill, and Randy and I were talking about this earlier, and I was 100% completely in support of Ron Paul whenever this uh, whenever this bill got introduced. I thought that everything was going to be honky dory if you know, it got passed, and and if we could audit the Fed. Because I looked at it as, like, if the IRS was going to come and audit me, then guess what? They're going to fucking nitpick me and try to find a way to fuck me over, right? Mm -hmm. But talking to you, that's not exactly what's going to happen. So Not by a long shot. Okay, so tell us a little bit about how... Auditing the Fed is not exactly the best idea. Uh, absolutely. And that is auditing the Fed by the Senate committee is not the best idea. Um, but and whole, uh, with that being said, that's the only way we can audit the Fed. That, right? that, that is Ron Paul's plan. Okay, there, yeah. there are other ways of, to, to audit the Fed, but the way that Ron Paul chose it was the Senate to audit the, audit the Fed. Do you feel like that's the only way that he could get it through, so therefore that's why he did it? Yeah, I mean, that's their only power. Or, well, I mean, they could write legislation to um, uh, have it done differently by a, by a third party, which it currently is. But here, let me just uh, start by explaining to you. Here is an article um, that is on the Huffington Post. And uh, the only reason why I bring it up is um, that Ben Bernanke, the chairman of the Fed, is quoted in his reaction. Uh, The last paragraph of his statement says, so, again, I want to agree with the basic premise that the Federal Reserve should be thoroughly transparent and thoroughly accountable. I will work with everyone here to make sure that's the case. But I do feel it's a mistake to eliminate the exception from monetary policy and deliberations, which would be effectively, at least to some extent, create a political influence or a political dampening effect on the Federal Reserve's policy decisions. Now, what does that mean? So in layman terms. Exactly. So now what does that mean? Well, okay, so what he's trying to say is that by the Senate committee being able to audit the Fed, that they are going to be able to influence the Federal Open Market Committee. Now, what the Federal Open Market Committee does is is they basically control interest rates. They, they either buy or sell U.S. Treasury bonds in order to keep interest rates within a target rate. And what Ben Bernanke is doing is that this auditing, how it's set up, this auditing bill will actually give power to the Senate Banking T- Committee or, or whatever Senate committee who, who chooses to audit the Fed uh, to, uh, uh, to have some undue influence in how interest rates are set. That's a bad thing for the for economics in the long Why? run. 
Why? Yeah, well, we'll get to that, but there's another... Here's my thing is that... So, we've introduced a bill that gives people who have no financial background the ability to set interest rates on the Federal Reserve. Is that basically what you're telling me? Is that... Well, even worse than no financial ability, because they do have some financial instinct, and it's just enough to, to be... To make a mistake, a real so, bad mistake. So you're mistake. just dumb enough to fuck us over. Yeah, fuck us over pretty bad. And, 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 and it's gone down like this in the past because this isn't the first. First of all, the federal, uh, the, the, the Fed is audited every year. Okay, and so there's nothing new to this new audit bill except that they are going to be able to look at their GAO audit, which is all the financial modeling and stuff like that on how they what, came up with is the a, interest rate target. What's a GAO for, for us retailers? I'm not sure what, what it is, but, but, but that, oh, it's the Government Accountability Office. So, and so what there, they're going to do, and, 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 and that, and that yeah, and that contains... And that contains uh, all of their in, uh, information about interest rates and how they derive at their decisions. So, so basically, by this new audit that Ron Paul puts in, basically now they have the audit control over, over uh, all the federal open market committee decisions. And, uh, and historically, you know, the Senate has always been trying to bash the Fed and, uh, for instance, trying to take away their budget because the Fed has their own budget. They're not... Uh, budgeted by the federal government because they actually generate revenue and give that to the federal government. So they have their own budget instead of relying on on the federal budget. Well, over the last 20 years, you know, every two or three years or so, someone in the Senate threatens the Fed, you know, you big ugly bankers, we're going to take all your money and you're going to be budgeted under us. And, and as a result, what the Federal Open Market Committee does is they lower interest rates in order to appease the Senate. You know, that's how the political influence happens. Now, what happens, you know, that sounds good. Our economy is going to go up. Yes, it does for the short term when you do that. But what happens is in the long term, you're ultimately going to see inflation from that. Basically, when, when people say those fuckers printing money, what it is is, is the Senate Banking Committee uh, trying to dabble their fingers in what the Fed does. Because without the Senate Banking Committee, the Fed is very conservative. <laughs> I, I'm not going to act like I understand yeah. like 80% of that, but here's my thing, is that you have lobbyists, you have rich people. Let's just say that you have rich people who are going to pay lobbyists, okay? Yeah. Who are going to pay Senate slash congressmen, women, whatever right. the case may be, in order to get their shit pushed through, right? Right. So... My whole thing is follow the money. If you follow the money, then you're going to find out where the corruption begins and ends. Right. right? Now, if we audit the Fed, Mm -hmm. okay, then maybe we'll find out where some of the money came from. But what you're saying is... is They're already audited. That's already... Yeah. So, So you're saying everything's already out in the open. Yeah, well, now, but how an audit works is that, you know, classic accounting audits, and this one's no different, they only look at, say, you know, they only pick and choose about 2 or 5% of actual of all the actual transactions, and of they audit them, you know, by, by a forensic audit, by, by basically make, writing checks and seeing that they made it to the right place. So, so they're auditing against so crime, but they're money, not, but they're not going to count up the whole thing. But if you're thing. laundering money, then, right. then there's no fucking... There's no trail to be found, right? Right. So, so if if the lobbyist gives said congressperson or senate person X amount of dollars to vote mm-hmm. for this X bill, right? Mm-hmm. Then it can be laundered, and that can never be traced back, right? What do you mean? What if, money? Okay. If, uh, let's just say that J.P. Morgan uh-huh. wanted, uh, I don't know, the credit rating for people who want to borrow money uh-huh. to be 650 uh-huh. right, on a, you know, Equifax scale. Okay. Right? Let's just say if they wanted it to be 650 right? Well, they pay X amount of Congress people or Senate uh-huh. people. X amount of dollars to vote yes, right? On what? On on whatever bill they want, 
like oh, like saying for, that that you know you have to have a 650 credit score in order to qualify for a loan. Oh, okay, in right? order to qualify for a loan. Okay, so, right. So, okay, so they pay you know said congressperson or senate person uh-huh. x amount of dollars, right? Then they vote on it, uh-huh. right? Then then you're you're increasing the uh, the credit rating that is needed in order to get a loan. Right. So therefore you're you're fucking with the Federal Reserve at that point. If you're fucking with what credit rating you need, you're also fucking with the credit or the uh, Federal Reserve at that point, aren't you? Well that kind of legislation wouldn't be allowed because you can't tell corporations or banks what, what kind of corporations what kind of who, are treated who they people. can lend to. But but you can't tell corporations who they can lend to or who not to. Then why? So 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 are you trying to get it like like if lobbyists well, yeah, influence yeah, well, politicians? But, but I, I honestly don't believe in that because I was told whenever I was selling homes, uh-huh. I was told that you had to have a 620 credit score to qualify. Oh, for, for a, government a government loan. loan. Yes, okay. for a government so, loan. Yes. So so, but not a loan from J.P. Morgan. Right, but J.P. Morgan, who backs some of those loans, yes. okay, yes. by the federal government, yes. can say that I want a 650 credit score or better for a government loan. Yeah, I mean, lobbyists could, you know, J.P. Morgan lobbyists could, could could come in and say, yes, on these government loans, we want you to be at a 650 on everything, and they would give them the reasons why. Yeah, that could happen. Mm-hmm. And but my whole point is is that lobbyists could also go through and say, you know what, fuck a credit rating. We just need money. Yeah. Okay? So we'll pump money into you as long as you say, we'll take subprime. Right? Right. And isn't that kind of what happened in, like, 2002 through 2008? Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Actually, um it what what really happened was was that there's you know mortgages are split up into in a tranches uh which is a What's french a word which is a french word for a slice of pie okay uh and basically that means that, and that is basically determined on on prepayment risk which i know is a weird thing but basically the biggest risk with these things are that people are going to pay off their mortgages too early um, and, and, and so, but those are the regular ones. Now, what happened with the subprime? Is that ones, not the most evil fucking shit you've ever heard? Is that it's a gonna, real risk. We're, we're going to take a risk that these people aren't going to see a thirty-year mortgage. They're actually going to pay it off in twenty. That's fucking bullshit, dude. That's you how finance want, works. You should. That's want how the formula to, is. It's called bond duration, and I can walk you through it if you want to. Serious. But but instead, you know, but just believe it, okay? There's prepayment risk, and that was the only risk that you had when you would when you were buying one of these mortgage-backed securities until about 1999. And in 1999, they changed the legislation so that so that not all securities had to be government-backed, and you could do this subprime bullshit. Um, and so they would package up these subprime loans, and they would be repurchased, and they'd be packaged up with better, you know, good loans and stuff like that. And then they would uh, uh, insure. Uh, them with uh, AIG, we know that they fell uh, because they dealt with all these financial derivatives that were insuring all these products. Um, and so, but basically, though, the thing was was that the government were sort of backing them, and they were sort of not because they had all these extra insurance policies. But then, when the insurance policies failed, then the government was stuck holding the bill, and all these companies are too big to fail. Meaning that if they well, really did fail, we didn't bail them out. We would have been in a way worse situation. It's not just that. I mean, didn't you tell me earlier that the laws changed, shifting the accountability? Yes, that that is. What year was that? Oh, that was probably like 2005. Okay, so here's my thing with that, and that is was that, the accountability. Is of, that let's just say that. B of A, Wells Fargo, and J.P. Morgan accepted a whole bunch of low, or not low risk, but uh, uh-huh. high risk, uh, you know, subprime mortgages, right? Then the law changed and it switched it from the person who bought it to the person who backed it. Yeah, explain that to me. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Okay, so before. 
uh, when you went into your mortgage broker or uh, got a loan at, at the bank for your home, specifically for your home, uh, not, not with cars or anything else. But um, you, would, you would get your, uh, basically that mortgage person, if you defaulted on the loan, even though those assets were sold off to someone else or something like that, well, if that person defaulted on the loan, you as the bank, as the original person who made that loan, those those assets would come back onto your balance sheet, and you would ultimately be responsible if they defaulted. But they changed the laws uh, so that so that the purchaser of that loan or the assignee of the loan is responsible if it defaults. Um, and so that kind of made a lot of people who were writing up mortgages to uh, not really care about poor credit ratings or anything like that. Why would you care about anything if if yeah. you knew you weren't responsible for it? I, I would give you $1,000 if I knew that somebody else would pick up the tab. Yeah. I mean, right. if I knew that the federal government was going to pay me back, I'd lend you as much as you wanted. Right. I mean, honestly, like, what the fuck is the point in having a private capitalist market if the government's just going to fucking bail everybody out? What's the fucking point? Well, we well because if... If you I understand if you, you didn't fail out and shit like right. that, but right, and that's and that's a big problem. Basically, there's all the there's too big to fail, right? And there's all this legislation around it that is trying to deal with the problem of moral hazard, and that is if you are given a big loan of money, what's stopping you from going to Mexico and spending it all? You know, especially like things like okay, if you if, if I gave you a thousand dollar loan, you think you're going to pay it back? Probably. It depends on what I'm doing. Okay, but, but compared to a $10 million, what if I gave you a $10 million loan, what would you do, first thing? Well, the first thing I would You'd go do to Mexico and fucking drink. Yeah, probably. Yeah, well, well, no, I, not, I, well, I well, not you. You're weird, but everyone else out there would go to fucking Mexico and drink their ass off. I mean, if you and want not to get pay the it back. Shits, but, 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 it's, but, it, but, you know, but, but it's things like that. There's, there's all kinds of legislation, the Sarbanes-Oxley Act of 2002. That was the first. That was after Enron and all their creative accounting ways. Um, and then most recently, that was the Dodd-Frank, which is uh, the Dodd-Frank Act, which is, um, uh, which is passed. Hey, can, can, passed we, like can we get back to the Dodd-Frank right after yeah. this break? Sure, absolutely. All right. Hey, guys, uh, I just want to uh, let you guys know that uh, we actually have one of the best bands in the world as our house band. Ladies and gentlemen, I now present to you Widespread panic. And we'll be right back. Good job, dude. So far. So far, so good. Alright, that was 17 minutes long. Oh yeah, it was 18 minutes long. Yeah. Whenever you're ready to come back, let me know. Okay. Rest in peace, Mikey! Thanks for tuning in, and uh, I like how you spelt your name out and fucked us over. Uh, so, Nobody watches this shit anyway. I know. So so we were talking about it, and 
my whole thing is, is like, you follow the money, you figure it out, right? And you're telling me that the Fed is completely transparent. It is pretty good. I mean, it definitely has a few faults, but compared to to the rest of the shit that's going on in our government, the Fed is pretty, I mean... Obviously, pretty, I mean, pretty, pretty solid because very, very transparent in what they do. Um, you know, basically, what happens with them is that you know people always say, "Oh, they're printing more money. They're printing more money." Well, that's not true because because well, first of all, money. You know, there's only about a trillion dollars of hard cash in the world, whereas the total dollars and assets is probably closer to about thirty trillion. So. You know, printing money has nothing to do with it. Now, what people really mean when they say the Fed's printing money is that the Federal Open Market Committee, what they do is when they purchase bonds that are already on the market from banks, they are actually, because they're purchasing and giving banks money, actual cash, that's what people mean by increasing the monetary supply. But what happens when you do that is you're actually reducing our debt. And so, and so, tick for tack, so, you, you know, so, everything's balancing. You know, you, we're, we're not just like throwing new money in and just so, like, you know. So by printing money, we're reducing the debt, right? But then, if we want to raise the debt, then what the U.S. Treasury does is borrows why money. Would, first of all, why would you ever want to raise the debt to pay off? To pay off. Oh well, I understand that. Like if. If I had twenty grand and fucking I mean, credit card, I mean, debt, I mean, I would I would shift it over and pay you would, twenty five you would, grand at a lower interest rate, you know? Right. But and that's and that's what the Fed does too is they also refinance. They would retire their twenty year and thirty year issues and and then and then sell new shorter term interest rates when interest rates got lower. I mean, they do that too. But um, what, what what I mean by by more debt is that you know to pay off. The money that we do, what what the U.S. Treasury does to pay off our deficit is they borrow money from yeah. the Fed. Yeah. And then okay, so and so and so actually in our deficit time out, of time fifteen out. It, trillion, it, are, are you okay? Just seven trillion is what, actually the U.S. Treasury owns to the Fed. What what you just said was we owe it to if ourselves. The United States government, if the United States government wants to pay off debt. They just go to the Fed. They just pay off the Fed. Okay. But, okay, go ahead. Here's what uh-huh. I'm asking. I know what you're going to ask, and the answer is no. What? But, but go ahead and... No, ask. go for it. Go okay, for it. you're going to ask me that, uh, well, what if we just cancel out the debt? No, no. Oh, okay. No, I don't. Uh, because you can't do that, because, it, because inflation would rise and all your money would crumble. I understand. Yeah. My, my thing is, is that... I pay X amount in taxes. I pay X amount in state taxes. Uh, I understand that state uh-huh. has nothing to do with federal, but I'm still getting taxed 28% on my paycheck. Now, with that being said, 18% of it is fucking federal bullshit. Yeah. Okay? Now, how in the hell am I supposed to get behind, like, us paying off debt whenever, like, I'd say, like, I don't know the percentages, uh-huh. but I feel like maybe less of a, per, like, 1% goes towards paying off the national debt, and the rest, the other 17% mm-hmm. goes towards, like, defense and fucking yeah, that's shit true. like that. Like, how are, okay, unless we cut down the defense budget, uh-huh. how are we ever going to send more to the debt. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question, um, and it has a long answer. Oh. But yeah, okay. So here's how that works, though: is that first of all, uh, what we pay in interest right now on our debt is about six hundred billion dollars a year. So six hundred billion dollars a year is is going just to pay off the interest. Is that coming of all the from debt our that we federal have. federal income tax? Uh, federal income tax pays for it, or we just raise more debt to pay for it. Okay, so either A... Basically, we have $3 trillion of federal income taxes. The federal government spends $4 trillion every year. So, so there's in other words, $1 trillion, trillion deficit dollar every year. Yeah, well, but it's been more as of late. Of course. Yeah. Well, we start more wars. Right. We get more debt. Yeah, but basically, and so your income tax goes to three quarters of what the Fed can pay for, and the other quarter is put on a credit card. Now, but... 
Now, how do we pay this off? Well, a lot of people forget that we had a surplus when Clinton was president. I'm not an advocate for Clinton. In fact, I think he's a fucking moron, not just with chicks, but as a politician, too. But we had a surplus. And you know why we had a surplus? Because taxes were higher. And what happened was that um, when Bush came along, right before September 11th, uh, which these are these tax cuts, which we're talking about that they just extended. And today, we'll, right? Yeah, uh, like, I think it was last no, week. Yeah, maybe, all right, today. today. Yeah, but whatever. I mean, so and so these tax cuts the middle which class, were, right? were put in 10 years ago uh, to mainly, and, and they mainly benefited the rich and, and really the ultra rich. Uh, and, and, so, and, and so those but Bush they were are supposed to be for middle class. Right. They, like, oh yeah. No, they were not. I mean, I can. I, I mean, can show you, you on my. You phone. also. You also got a break, but the rich people. You know, you save maybe six hundred bucks when the rich people save millions, millions. millions. No, and, and that's my thing and, is that I can show you my phone and the CNN update where it says middle class gets a tax break. And how fucking arrogant is that? That they're gonna send you. A message saying, "Hey, you get a tax break." Oh yeah, break. don't you remember that 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 little check you got in the mail, like six hundred bucks, and it said like from, from like four years Bush? ago. Okay, well that same year, and, and and this is how it all worked. Okay, so like we we had a surplus before, and if we return to our previous tax levels, uh, and people will say, "Oh, that'll fuck the economy up," but these tax breaks didn't work, and 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 the whole thing was, you know, if we bring them back, we will pay off this deficit in ten years. It no problem. <laughs> Now, now, but but the only problem is that, um, you know, all of these all these politicians don't want to do it, uh, you know, because they'll get voted out of office. Now, now, how the rich really benefited is that is that the tax reductions on the richer income tax brackets were greater than the middle class, uh, and they have been for ten years. And also, the estate tax is greatly reduced. Actually, uh, Mitt Romney wants to eliminate the estate tax completely, which that's a very big source of revenue for the United States, and that's something that only affects people who die with more than a million dollars worth of assets in their hands. It used to be since 1930, in order to uh, keep, you know, in order to give the wealth back to the people, they would back in the 1930s they created this estate tax where 50, they would tax 50% of your estate when you died. Um, and so they want to get rid of that, and that's really just a tax break for the rich. Of course. I mean, yeah. if you're going to pass away, die, I mean, that's right. what journalists say is die. Yeah. Right? If you're going to die, then guess what? Fuck it. Why the fuck? I mean, you can't take it with you, right? Right. So what the fuck do you care if you're taxed 50%, right? Right. I feel like it should be taxed 70%. I don't give a shit. But here's my thing is... You look at are, are you into uh, Austrian economics at all? No. Okay. Uh, you look at uh, Amsterdam, for instance, right? Uh huh. Those guys, they have like a seventy percent tax rate, but they're the happiest fucking people in the world. Okay. So what is ours? Twenty eight right now. Like if you're if you're on the uh, low end, it's it's like twenty eight. Right. Right. Yeah. So. My thing is, is that let's just say that we raised it to 70%, but legalized everything, right? Uh-huh. I mean, let's just call ourselves Amsterdam as opposed mm -hmm. to the United States, and you're taxing people 70%, but they can go and get anything that's going to fucking make them happy. Uh, things are going to cost less, you know, stuff like that, you know? And you can't. If you're going to tax me 70%, then you can't tax me 80% on gas. So that brings gas back down to a dollar a gallon instead of $4 a gallon. Yeah. You know what I mean? And things like that. Don't, do you not feel like that's the smart way to go? No, I do believe in uh, austerity, uh, just like a lot of people in Europe do. I mean, those taxes are really high. And actually, a lot of European countries as of late are reducing taxes in half for the last five years. Uh, Germany is still at like 50%. Um, but the salaries in those countries are a lot more. Uh, the problem that I have is that is that pretty much when you give a job to the government, it fucks it up. Well, of course. So, I mean, you look at anything. I mean, I was in the military for five right. and a half years. Yeah. And, you know, you give them – here's my thing is that there's a running joke in the military, and it is what do you call someone who failed out of medical school? All right. 
Lieutenant. Lieutenant, right? Yeah. So, in other words, the jackass who couldn't fucking pass medical school is going to be operating on you. Okay? Right. So, in other words, the government is going to find a way to fuck you over. Okay? Uh, with that being said, you got about two or three minutes before we have to go to another break. Go ahead and wrap up the financial thing, and uh, we'll come back and talk about the shooting. Sure, uh, absolutely. Well, you know, the tax that I'm talking about that when it expires, we're talking an increase for the average family that makes anywhere from 30000 to, I forget the levels, but like 45000 We're talking about an increase from 28% back to like 32%. Um, and also, you know, and so, so we're just talking about, you know, what the tax was back in 2000. If we just return to that tax level, uh, we'll be, we'll have paid off the debt and the national deficit in 10 years, um, or less. Um, and, uh, but, but more so what people don't realize is that, is that, uh, rich people pay, you know, like the rich 20% of Americans pay, for pretty much 70% of the taxes in this country. Um, and then even with the new rules, sure, that's like reduced to like 60%. But all these people want flat taxes. Well, if you flat tax everyone, you know, if you, it would take so much, I mean, like you would have to tax the poor like 50% or something like that in order to just match the funds that the rich has, you know. Um, but it, it, to me, it, there's no reason to match, like why? Why is everything equal? There's no reason. Uh, nobody. Right. Did, whenever you popped out of your mom's fucking cooter, did she say everything's going to be fair for you? Right. No. Well, no, no, she didn't. Okay, so so if the rich rich people should understand that even with a flat tax, let's just say twenty percent, right. right? Then guess what? You're getting taxed twenty percent. I'm getting taxed twenty percent. Fair mm-hmm. enough. I don't give a fuck how much money you're given, you yeah. know what I mean? But if you're going to go the other side and say that everybody should pay the same amount, because that's completely different. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. It, well, it, yeah, and, and I don't advocate that. What I'm saying is that is that if you wanted the poor to have any kind of significant uh, 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 financial helping of, of this government, they'd have to pay a shitload of taxes. So pretty much you're going to tax the rich. If you want, you know, to come back because that's where because the rich people have money. You can't tax the poor; they don't have any money. And then, but but here's the whole deal about a flat tax. Why why that's wrong is there's this simple financial theory, which is the difference between no money and some money is great, but the difference between some money and And some more money is not so great. Well, it's it's just like saying that the difference between one dollar and zero dollars is infinity. Okay. But the difference between a dollar and a thousand dollars is only a thousand. No, 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 no. I'm talking the other way. The difference between no money and some money is really big, and the difference between some money and some more money is really small. Okay, I I think we're on the same page. Okay, all right, but just but just let me finish. All right, so and, and so what that means is if you give a flat tax to somebody, that means that the poor person who doesn't have any money is going to have less money, and then if you give the same tax to a rich person, well, they have so much more money that it doesn't impact them financially nearly as hardly. Are we talking percentage? Or are we yeah, talking? same percentage. If you tax a rich person 20%, because oh, they have a shitload of, of money, yeah. that doesn't affect them. But if you tax a poor person 20%, it affects them a lot more. I mean, to an extent. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. But, That's what I've been trying to say. But but twenty million dollars, right? Let's uh-huh. just say twenty million dollars, right? Okay. That's what four million dollars at twenty percent, right? Right. Yeah. Then uh, you say twenty thousand dollars, and that's four thousand uh-huh. dollars. So you go down to sixteen. Yeah. It's still the same percentage, right? But the but that's what I'm trying to explain is the law of utility says that even though the poor people lost only four thousand compared to four million. Well, it's much harder to live on sixteen thousand oh, bucks than sixteen million. That's I'm not doubting that at all. Yeah, and that's and that's a simple rule in finance for everyone. So what's okay. the explanation? I mean, how do we fix it? Uh, you just return tax taxes to where they were. 
which is uh, kind of what Obama wants to do. I think he really wants to do that, but he's being pressured by Mitt Romney, who's trying to lower taxes even more, which is really weird because it's really unsustainable at the deficit we're at. And we're just fucking ourselves if we don't raise taxes, even though um, it is going to hurt the economy to raise taxes a little bit. I'm not a uh, financial expert by any means, and and Mm -hmm. by no means do I claim to even know what the fuck is going on. But I understand this concept. If you owe Uh $20,000, right, then the more that you pay each month, the quicker you're going to pay that off. Uh The less you pay each month... Uh the longer you're going to fucking extend that. Right. So, if we don't raise taxes, how the fuck are we supposed to get out of this situation? What situation? The situation that we're in where... What, the financial crisis? Yeah. yeah. Okay, the financial crisis. All right, so, well... um, I guess I was just agreeing with you. You said raise taxes back to where they were in 2000. I definitely agree with you. Well, well, that's how we get out of debt would be be to... uh, to increase taxes, but you're right. It would make the financial crisis worse in that in that revenues would go down for companies, and there be maybe it would probably cause a little bit more unemployment. But yeah, also at the long? same time, how, for how long? For That's for, for a short term, probably, or you know, but nobody knows. I mean, it could you know start another recession, raising taxes. But but the whole deal is is that it hasn't worked in the past, okay? Because we've cut taxes in the past, and obviously it didn't work. In fact, our quantitative easing has been so light and so non-regulated, and, we, and we've really been lazy, and that's why we're in the situation we're in. So, yes, we do need to fix it and uh, kind of be gentle in what we do, but, um, you know, take, take the other flip side of the coin. If the next 10 years we reduce taxes instead of paying them off, then we're going to have a national deficit, which is more like Japan's, which is 200% of their GDP every year, so, which is they're not coming back. And, and, and if we lose a dollar, you can forget about all your investments. You can forget. I mean, like, probably the fucking supermarkets will, will close if, if uh, the dollar fails. I mean, these are all ifs. These are all ifs. We're not, well, we're well, not yeah. sitting here like Alex Jones well, talking no, about I, buy I gold, we'll... buy silver. That's not that's Oh, not no, our, no, That's not our so intent. Gold is a horrible investment anyway. Well, I'm just saying that's not our intent. We're just saying ifs. Yeah, these are us. All right, guys, uh, we do appreciate you guys tuning in. And with that being said, we're going to take a small break with the house band. Justify why you're right and I'm wrong. That's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, there is some new news. He he had a a box delivered. To the university. Alright.
two, you ready? And three. And once again, I'd like to welcome you back to the Rocky Mountain Comic Podcast with your host, Chuck Brown, and special guest, Randy Malone. Follow us on Twitter, at Maldesi, at Randy Malone, and at GonzoGreen29. Thank you, hot random chick. Uh, so welcome back. Uh, a thing that a lot of people are going to be interested in is the fact that we live in Colorado and we have this whole Joker thing go on. I'm not even going to mention his name because I'm not going to give him that type of airtime. Yeah. But I don't really have a feeling on this, and, and I will tell you this much. We went to Gander Mountain today mm-hmm. just to look. And that's, and that's the store where he bought the weapons, which is just down the street from us. Like Literally. Two blocks. Two blocks. Yeah. And we went to Gander Mountain today, and we saw, like, a fucking array of, like, M16s, AR-15s, like, all kinds of crazy shit. Things that you could buy at the drop of a hat. But there were so many other things in there that you could buy. You know? You, yeah. you could buy tubes to go down the river on. You could buy clay pigeons to shoot at. Yeah. And it's kind of like Joe Rogan says. We're not going to outlaw hammers because you can hit yourself in the fucking head with it. Right? So I kind of try to stay away from it because I don't really give a shit. Like, I I say that I care about the people who are injured and who lost their lives. That That's fucking horrible. But with that being said, man, we can't just outlaw everything because one fucking retard decides to go act like an idiot. You know? Yeah. So what do you feel? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean... Yeah, nothing's going to be outlawed over this, uh, even if uh, it was logical to do so. But I don't think it is. I mean, guns don't peel, kill people. People kill people. Now, there is a thing, though, that that I want to bring up, and that is, well, the fact is that, that this guy, I mean, he is so quiet. And maybe if they weren't selling the AR-15s, the handguns or shotguns, you can't get rid of those. But if they weren't selling the AR-15s, then maybe he wouldn't have got one. And assault then, rifles. Yeah, and an assault rifle, and maybe then the the body count would have been less. But then again, he could have obtained it from an illegal source, and so maybe got it that way. But I don't think his character is strong enough to get it from an illegal source. So probably I think not. in this case, he, you know, we probably did make ourselves worse off, and he probably would have just gone with a shotgun if AR-15s were illegal. But you know, then again, you know, I'm from Arizona, and I can tell you that. Fucking every time a Democrat comes on TV, gun owners just balk, balk, balk about how, you know, politicians are going to take their guns away. And it never fucking happens. But they just always go blah, blah, blah and talk about it all fucking day long. And then gun sales go through the roof and, like, they're, like, sitting on Capitol Hill twiddling their thumbs as usual. Well, I mean, you know. It's kind of like whenever you and I were talking a couple of days ago, right after this happened... And we were like, oh, this is going to spark the fucking gun control debate, you know? Yeah. And, and we talked about how whenever Obama first got into office, I lived in Texas. I lived in uh, Waco, Texas, which if anybody knows, Waco was the site of the British Davidians and, you know, the fucking ATF busting in, things of that nature. But at that point... They thought that Obama was going to take away all our gun rights. Right. So the fucking price of ammo went through the fucking roof. Yeah. I was at Gander Mountain today. You know how much it costs for 24 fucking 12-gauge rounds? Probably like 5 bucks. $36. Oh, for 24 boxes. Rounds. Boxes. No, no. Oh. 24 rounds. Today? Today. At Gander? At Gander. Really? $36 for 24 rounds. Why? What? Fuck if I know. I know, I know. I, I wasn't. I was. I mean, you, sorry. Fuck if I know. But thirty six dollars for oh right because twenty because everyone's fucking buying up guns right now because they feel like and, and I I guarantee you that Remington fucking Federal all these ammunition companies right they love 
whenever the Columbine happened, whenever this happened, whenever the Virginia Tech shooting happened. They love it because it drives the price of ammo up. Okay? Yeah. It's just like if, let's just say that instead of a shotgun or an assault rifle, he walked in with like a shit ton of corn, right? And just started killing people with shucks of corn, yeah. right? Don't you think that people would be like, fuck, i got to get corn before it's outlawed, right? No, so, right, exactly. Exa- it's, it's counterintuitive. It wouldn't happen that way. It's just, it's so stupid. So, but what do you feel, I mean, there, there's so many uh, somber feelings. There's so many uh, people that, you know, that lost people countrywide. People are talking. I mean, fucking Christian Bale came down here dressed right. as Batman. Really? You're going to come dressed as Batman to see people who got shot by somebody dressed as Batman? You crazy fuck. Anyway, but that's beside the point. My, my whole thing is, is, is what is your feeling on just the whole incident? Not gun control, not, you know, the, the psychoanalyst or analysis of it, just... What do you feel about the shooting itself? Sure. Well, um, actually, as it turns out, I am a graduate student at the University of Colorado at Denver, the same university. Um, I, you know, I've never seen the guy, or if I did, I don't remember it. Uh, and he was in the medical his science hair a, science his hair school. was a different color at the time. Yeah, probably. Whatever. I don't <laughs> notice weirdos. There's plenty of them on campus anyway. And plus, if, I'm only looking at undergrad chicks, in, by the way. But... Um, <laughs> which never looked back at me. And so that's really how I feel like, you know, how can I get undergraduate chicks to like me? Do you feel like that's, that's what maybe I feel, what he thought? Like, you know, I would really, you know, I'm reading right now this story about how he left this box. Oh, and by the way, just to finish up your last question, I don't know the guy, so therefore I don't feel any feelings about, you know, my school being traumatized or anything like that. Because, you know, I don't know. It would be different. But I'm a business student. We don't really talk to the guys over in I hear they have an opening in the medical department. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, well, yeah. And I also hear that the guy was taller online, too, in his online classes. But, you know, but but anyway, so I'm reading this story now about how they picked up a package where he sent to the school all kinds of notes and things about, and I would assume this is kind of like his Mein Kampf, if he was Hitler, you know, it's like his story. A manifesto, and, if you will. Yeah, and, and, and his motive has been such a mystery. And I really wonder if this guy is truly insane or, you know, a neuroscientist, so he must know the inner workings of a of a some sort of psychotic illness, and maybe he, like, diagnosed himself and said, hey, I'm insane, I should go kill people. You think and that get he off was free. that smart? I mean, I mean you if, think he's, if he's a Ph.D. student, maybe he doesn't have street smarts, maybe he's crazy, but that is going to hurt him in court if he tries to plead the insanity defense, because if he's sane enough to fucking learn in his studies and be studious enough to, even though he dropped out and I have no idea why, but if he was studious enough to understand the problems, then he should be able to understand right and wrong. Maybe he was smart enough to drop out after he learned exactly. That's a fucking, that's I a mean, huge... He Man. also he also <laughs> said that he thought about the future a lot. I mean, No, I understand. Okay, and actually, also, why, why don't we take bets? He also, I bet that, that what's in the box... Is, is some sort of thing where he believes that in the future uh, the world's going to end, so it doesn't matter, so he blew off some people to fucking cut it up anyway. Well, like I said, I, I haven't been watching it, so, so <laughs> me taking that bet would be fucking retarded. But do you really, I mean, fuck, dude, if that's the case, then how many other medical students or smart people do we have to worry about that know that they can get off due, like, anybody who deals with psychology, right? Right, And they're like, fuck it, I can get off on fucking criminal insanity. Right, like, well, 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 they did make uh, the, the insanity plea a lot harder to, uh, to um, be successful with right after, who was the jack, oh yeah, the, the guy who shot Reagan in the attempted okay. Reagan yeah, assassination, yeah, yeah. that guy got off for, uh, for insanity um, because he was trying to impress some movie star. Uh, but, um... No, I, 
I don't think so, it was some so, movie star. I think it was John Lennon that he was trying to. He was trying to do something. If I oh, read okay, correctly, yeah, maybe. If I read correctly, yeah, no, I just read about it today. Trying, I don't know. It was him trying to, uh, like, make amends with John Lennon. Like, he okay, was, yeah, know. but 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 anyway. So so after that incident, they they made it much harder to prove that you're insane. Basically, you have to you have to you have to be so insane that you can't tell. Uh, the difference between right and wrong. I mean, uh, that's that's an, I mean, and 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 with him, I, you know, with, with with how smart that guy is, I guarantee you, it's almost impossible. Well, and that's the other thing is that you could tell whenever the judge was reading him his charges that he knew. It, I mean. Yeah, you, yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah. I what was that? Shit. I, I didn't know. Was he was he like faking this. insanity? You know. Yeah, it was like I voices were, were like going off in his head, but it looked like to me like he was faking it. Exactly. But, but I read some news stories where where some where some psychoanalysts were like, "Oh, he was obviously on drugs and blah blah blah." But again, how are you on but, drugs three days after being locked up? Yeah, I don't but know. It, I mean, I maybe it's bath salts. They kept him in an individual cell. Yeah, you know what I mean. Right. So so there's no way that he got drugs. So I well, mean, actually, there there is because he could. Have have uh, upon arrest said I'm on this medication, and then they have to keep feeding him his medication while he's Fair in jail. Enough. And on top of that, the judge or nobody in the case would know because, well, well, the judge would be the only one to know actually that he was on meds, and because the judge would decide whether or not to release that information to to the, to, to be used in trial. I definitely understand that, which is usually not. Whenever I uh, whenever I was in the military, they doped me up with uh, Zoloft and Prozac. And I, I was, like, completely on a level key. Like, you could have told me that my mom died. I'd be like, eh. You could have told me that I won the lottery. I'd be like, eh. You know? And that's kind of how he looked. Yeah. You know? Like, you could tell him anything. And he'd be like, eh, whatever. You know? Yeah. So, but still, I, I don't feel like that is a logical excuse for killing 12 people and injuring 58. Uh, Like I said, I I haven't been keeping up with it. You have more than I, but I just don't. And then, and and you know who was the first person to get away with the insanity plea? Manson? Civil War General. No, it wasn't Manson. It was a Civil War General. Yeah, go back about 100 years. Who was it? It was a Civil War General named General Cook. He had uh, killed his wife in a oh it was actually a temporary that ain't insanity temporary that's insanity right. yeah no actually it's not insanity you're right it's <laughs> temporary insanity oh that's a crime of passion yeah because yeah exactly because because he shot both his wife and the person who she was sleeping with and uh, he was let off on temporary insanity and so, so actually actually the the insanity plea has gone back even before that that was only temporary insanity. That was the Civil War. So, so this is something that's been going along in, in uh, you know, law for a long time. And, and usually people are really outraged, like when they hear about McDonald's and some lady spilled her coffee and, and won a $100,000 suit. Well, that sounds really, you know, not fair to McDonald's, you know, when you first look at it. But if you look at the details of the case, I mean, this woman has severe burns all over her crotch area. And she's 70 years old. No, I mean, it was disfiguring. You know it that I have bad. I have severe burns all over my crotch area as well. But well, you not should from sue coffee. McDonald's. No, they're not from coffee. It's from banging ugly chicks. Ah, well, yeah. Unfortunately, ugly chicks don't have money in McDonald's. Does. Exactly. So, with that being said, uh, you got time for one more question? Yeah, sure. Awesome. Uh, we're gonna let uh, Widespread Panic, the house band, uh, take us to one more break, and then we'll be right back. All right, then we're going to go with uh, what's your stance on comedy today. That's three different fucking questions for sure. (laughs) We got Audit the Fed, the Colorado Shooting. That's only three questions. God forbid that I come up with more. (laughs) All right, that's fine. I thought I almost overwrote one of the files here, but I did not. 
Rocky Mountain Comics Podcast with your host, Chuck Brown, special guest, Randy Malone. Follow us on Twitter, at Modesi, at Randy Malone, and at Gonzo Green 29. All right. Thank you, Random Hot Chick. Uh, so, real quick, I know you got to get out of here, but what is your stance on comedy today? Because... Here's my thing is that I took you, or I didn't take you, but you went with us to uh, see Brendan Walsh. What did you yeah. think about Brendan? Oh, he was pretty funny. I mean, I like the vulgar comedy stuff. I'm not one of those people who freaks out over rape jokes and things like that. So, um, yeah, you know, I like people who drink a lot, and it was right up my alley um, as far as that goes. Um, I really liked the comedy club we were at, the Comedy Works. Um yeah, you know, I mean, I'm getting interested in this comedy thing, and uh, if I ever am a successful comic, I would only hope to be as good as Brendan Walsh without <laughs> ripping him off. <laughs> that makes sense? Awesome. Uh, my my whole outlook on comedy right now is that it, it seems like it's in a resurgence, as if, you know, in the 80s you had people like Kennison and... Pryor and Carlin, I mean, even fucking Tim Allen, like, but that's whenever they were raw, you know? Right. And then it it seemed like it went through a lull from, like, 95 till, like, 2005. It, It just seemed like it died, you know? But today it seems like it's making a huge comeback with uh, the podcasts, mm-hmm. you know, podcasts allow people to gain their own audience. Uh-huh. So if, if uh, you know, hopefully people fucking listen to this and, you know, whenever I get on stage, they'll, they'll come and, and watch. But you look at people like Brennan Walsh, um, Freddie Lockhart, Morgan Freeman, uh, Red Band, I mean, there's so many people, Duncan Trussell, Joey Diaz, Bert Kreischer, all these people have benefited from podcasts, okay, because they attract a certain type of audience. And whenever you can attract the audience that already enjoys your comedy versus, like Lewis Black said, oh, there's a comedian in town, I think I'll go see him. Uh-huh. Like, that's fucking... Who does that? You know? Yeah. Like, why would... I would never go and see... With all due respect, I would never go and see Patton Oswalt. I know what his comedy's about. I know... Basically what he's gonna do. But I just don't like that comedy. Now, with that being said, if Joe Schmo came in and, you know, I got a free ticket, I don't even know that I would go because... I don't know what he's going to do versus you and I and Mo Desi and everybody else going to see Brendan Walsh or Ari Shafir or something like that. We know what we're in store for, you know? I guess it's kind of like prepping for a battle. Like, I'm not going to go into battle without prepping, right? I'm also not going to go see a comedy show without knowing what the fuck's going on. Wouldn't you agree? What the fuck is going on? I don't know. Okay. Um, I guess my answer to that would be, uh, well, no, I'm just asking about what your, what your, what your, uh, what your stance on comedy today is. I mean, do you, right. Okay. So I think that good state, bad state. Well, well, yeah. Okay. So I think that comedy rises and falls with, uh, in correlation with the different types of media. So, uh, you know, like it's almost like a leading indicator of, uh, media such as, you know, when, um, you know, comedy dies 10 years uh, before TV kind of goes goes a little south compared to the Internet. And, and, and so now I think comedy's kind of gone away because people weren't too sure how, how to fit comedy in with the Internet. But now with the iPodcasts and uh, things like that, um, it's making a breakthrough again. And this is especially important because what the Internet has done to people is everyone's really quiet, nobody really goes out, says hi to their neighbors anymore, and they don't want to go to a comedy show and see someone new. What they want to do, because, you know, they're used to their cell phone and being well-informed by their fucking piece of equipment from Korea. 
So what they have to do is see people online first, like them, and then they'll be, and then they'll go and see them on stage. And you know, it's it's just a new world. Of course. So, <clears throat> what do you feel like uh, a new comic getting started could do? to get their name out there and, and get people to come to their shows. Oh, well, I wish, because I'm a new comic who wants to do that. So, I mean, you know, that would be like a question for Ari, not for me. But uh, So, Ari, I mean, my plan would be like, you know, I would make podcasts on the computer and fucking try and blow them up. And then, but then, hey, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with going to the comedy clubs and, you know, gathering your skills, too, because I guess, you know, the cream rises to the top, they would say. Of course. And so instead of just sitting on your ass thinking that you're a good comic, if you actually, like, went to clubs and experienced it and then, you know, learned, then you would be good. It, you know, I definitely agree. Uh, whenever I started taking jiu-jitsu, whenever I was 12, I got the shit kicked out of me, and it was a very humbling experience. And uh, I have not yet been on stage but I feel like it's going to be a very humbling experience. I mean, because I feel like I'm going to go up there with God knows how much time that I've spent on writing these three to five minutes, you know? Yeah. And who knows if people are going to like it, you know? If they do, great. If they don't, mm, you know? Either way, you learn. Yeah. So. But it's like, it's like uh, getting in your first fight. You learn from it. You may be humbled. But you also might do great, you know? Yeah. Uh, anything else you'd like to add? No, that's about it. Really? Yeah. Well, I'd just it's like to, uh, what is it, Ab- Ab- what's your podcast called? Uh, the Arbitrage Pricing Theory by Randy Malone. By Randy Malone. So, folks, uh, whenever we get this shit up and running on iTunes, look out for the Arbitrage Pricing, pricing theory, theory, and it'll be a much better show than this one. Of course. So, because uh, this is, like I told you guys, whenever we were sitting around and getting hammered, I'm just going to get drunk and fucking talk to people. So, uh, check out Randy's podcast called Arbitrage Pricing Theory, where we take and rip apart people's personal finances who are guests on the show. You want to be a guest? Give me a call. Randy Malone, or a tweet. Yeah. At Randy Malone. At Randy Malone. Tweet me if you want some financial advice. He has great financial advice, yet I will be the last person on his show due to the fact that I do not want to get ridiculed. Uh. (laughs) Well, but this is the point of the show is that there's no good financial advice. In fact, you know, most people, most stock picks, pretty much everyone who doesn't go with just an indexed market fund, 90% of the people underperform the index market fund and make less than that. So if you just put your money in a simple ETF that tracks the S&P 500, you're going to outperform 90% of the professional investors out there. And that's that, folks. Uh, Also, I would just like to say uh, big ups and congratulations to Tommy Chong, 99% cancer-free with the use of cannabis oil. That's fucking awesome. And... uh, you know, he just started doing that like six weeks ago, and I mean, according to Joe Rogan and Tommy Chong, the oil sends you to the moon, but it also kills the cancer, and we got to stop running from the cure. Uh, did you get paid to say that? Because I didn't get paid. No, I didn't get a dollar. Okay. But if you get a dollar, I want at least 50 cents. All right. All right. So, uh, folks, we appreciate you coming out, and... Anything else that happens, that's on you guys. You've just watched the Rocky Mountain Comedy Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Catch us on Twitter, at Mo Desi, at Randy Malone, and at Gonzo Green 29. This is where Mikey goes off. We need more beer. Only problem is that they're closed. Arrivederci, assholes. Follow us on Twitter, at Modesi, at Randy Malone, at Gonzo Green 29 
at Perfect Ugly. Follow his Death Squad family list. Eat a dick, nigga.